Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord again. Amen. God bless you. May be seated. I want to thank God for the presence of the Holy Ghost that we feel in this auditorium tonight. to give my special thanks to the men of God that are in this building, especially the leaders of this movement. If I may sum my feelings and my observation for the last few days that we have been in this meeting, I would put it in these words. I respect and love what I have seen and what I have felt and what I feel tonight. And this has not happened by accident. I believe that God has given to these fellowship, visionary men, men with a purpose, men with direction, and if those of us that are being led, if we would only listen to the voice of the Spirit, to our leaders. God is able to do great things in this last hour of the dispensation of the church. I want to give honor to these men of God who are preaching the gospel in different parts of the world. This gospel is the same whether in Kenya, in America, in India, Brazil, and other parts that we have had today. It was tremendous Last night, I was challenged through the preaching of the word from our bishop, Elder Kuhn, to see an elder of his age pour out his heart 
challenged our spirits. My heart was moved and tremendously touched. I came to this truth many years ago through an uncle who was a Trinitarian preacher. He came in contact with somebody who preached to him the truth. My uncle came home excited about the truth. He preached to me around the year 1973. I was completing my high school and um, I thought Pentecostal experience is for old people because the church my uncle pastored did not have any young people. But my uncle and my mother were praying for me. My father then was just a drunk. He didn't know anything about Jesus. I kept going to the church just to please my mother. But I could feel the Spirit of God every time I went to the church. And in 1974, it was in the night after I had come from church. In the middle of the night, I felt the need to pray, and I didn't know how to pray. But I knelt down anyhow, and it was a matter of minutes, I began to speak in other tongues. At that time, I was living in a small town of the shores of Lake Victoria. Lake Victoria is the second largest freshwater lake in the world. And my uncle took me to the lake and baptized me in Jesus' name for the remission of my sins. Ever since my life has been different and God has done many things in my life. My hunger has since then gone to be with the Lord but the truth is still being preached in the country of Kenya. I want to not waste much time. I do want to recognize two people here. Brother David Smith, he has been a tremendous help to the work of God in Kenya, a blessing. He has been to our country many, many, many times. And he has indeed 
made great sacrifices and impacted the lives of many. We love him and do highly respect him. We also have a, a lady here. She's a mother, Sister Wendell. She has been to Kenya. She was once a missionary. And the people of Kenya truly loved her. And they still love her. Then finally, I want to recognize the work that Brother Philip Cooper is doing in Kenya. Although this was a different group that was in a Trinity movement, but God somehow linked this group with Brother Cooper. And Brother Cooper has made numerous trips to Kenya to come and help this particular group where Brother Lister is one of the brothers from that group. And because this is the work of God, I pledge to Brother Cooper to give him our prayers and any assistance available or that is disposable to us so that he may accomplish the work that God has opened in our country. We realize that Kenya is a big country and there is no one group that can win those many souls. I have prayed about this service and my family at home, my wife, my children, and the church. They are praying for us. And I believe that God has given me his mind. My prayer has been, God, give me the right words so that I can communicate your mind. And I believe that God will help me. I feel really humbled by this opportunity to speak to such a great group of men of God and ladies that love the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I will endeavor to do my very best to be able to try and speak that which God has given me. And without wasting much time, we will be reading from the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 
chapter number 23 second samuel chapter number 23 i want to read from verse number 8 these be the names of the mighty men whom david had the tacomanites that sat at the seat chief among the captains the same was adino the ezinite he lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time and after him was eleazar the son of dodo the ahohite one of the three mighty men with david when they defied the philistines that were there gathered together to battle and the men of israel were gone away he rose and smote the philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword and the lord wrought great victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil and after him was shama the son of aji the hararite and the philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from the philistines but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the philistines and the lord wrought a great victory and three of the 30 chief went down and came to david in the harvest time unto the cave of adullam and the troops of the philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim and David was then in an hold and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem and David longed and said oh that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem which is by the gate and the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David nevertheless he would not drink thereof but poured it out unto the Lord and he said be it far from me o lord that i should do this is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives therefore he would not drink it these things did these three mighty men shall we raise our hands to the glory of god father we love you today pray that god you speak to us thank you jehovah god thank you jesus thank you lord god for your word pray that god you speak to us Send the anointing Jehovah's Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. you. May be seated. For the next few minutes, with the help of God, I would like to speak on a thought. It is not about us, but about the King. It is not about us, but about the King. Thank you, Jesus. In our endeavor in trying to do the work of God, it is imperative that we recognize some elements that are necessary or elements that are at work. God is number one. God's will is necessary. As we endeavor to do our work little by little, there is also another element that is at work. And that is the element of Mr. Devil and his demonic forces. He hates us. He hates the church. He hates God's people. And if we for one moment ever thought that the devil is not at work, we deceive ourselves. Even tonight the devil is at work. But I thank God that God is greater than the devil. But also as we attempt and as we endeavor to do the work of God, there are also other elements that are at work. And that is the human element, the human nature. And, and, and perhaps our biggest struggle at time may not be with the element number two, the devil. Sometimes the biggest struggle that we have is with this element number three, the human nature. Because God alone and God alone must receive the glory. God and God alone must receive our worship. God and God alone must be bowed down to. But the devil wants to glorify the human aspects. The devil wants us to glorify the human element. That we forget without God. There's nothing that we can accomplish. The word of God says we can do through, we can do all things through him that strengthens us. If God be for us, who can be against us? There is no demon in this country. There's no devil in Africa or in Asia that can be against the people of God who realizes that it's not about us, but it's about the king. It's about the king. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God bless you. you may be seated. And so, in order for us to be able to accomplish even a little fraction of what God wants us to accomplish, we must be able 
Number one, to recognize the sovereignty of God. Be able to recognize that God is overall. Be able to recognize the omnipotency of God. To recognize the, the, that God is above everything. That God is the force that is in control. That God is all powerful. And that God is able. And that God has the capacity to subdue any other element that raises itself against the will of God. There is no power that can overcome the power of God. Our God is greater than the power of the enemy. Our God is bigger than the devil. Somebody shout hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. And so. God spoke to me. That. For us to be able to really. Reach. The level that he wants us to reach. For us to be able to accomplish. The great task that is set before us. For us to be able to reach our dying and lost world. There is some emptying that we must empty from ourselves. There is some unlearning that we must unlearn. We've got to realize the greatness of God and how unable we are without God. If God is not our helper, we will be most miserable. So we need God on our side. We need God to help us. We need God to stand with us. We need to recognize that he alone is the king. And he's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. He's the prince of peace. And the everlasting father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is seated. When God wanted to use Moses, Moses had land in a great house of King Pharaoh. Moses had gotten perhaps one of the best education of his day. But in the spirit of Moses, there was revenge. In the spirit of Moses, it was a fighting spirit. It was a spirit that was not subdued. It was a spirit that took Revenge in its own hand. And we know how Moses reacted when he found two men fighting. Uh, uh, an Egyptian and a Jew. We know that he fought and killed that man. And as a result of that, God took Moses back to the desert. To do some unlearning. To teach him that Moses, even when things are tough. Even when you are fought. Even when somebody is fighting your brother, you don't revenge. Because vengeance is not ours. Vengeance belongs to God. God can fight our battles. God is able to fight for us. God is able to win our battles. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It took Moses... A long period of time, perhaps 40 years back in the desert, from the king's palace to a shepherd. 
from a highly educated position to a position of taking care of cattle in the, in the desert with sandals. There was something that was God was doing to the spirit of Moses. God wanted Moses to realize that it's not about Moses. But it's about the king. And the God of Moses tonight is our God. I say the God of Moses is our God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God took Saul. Now we have to understand that Saul was a highly educated young man. He learned in the University of Tarsus. He was educated by one of the best teachers of his time. And God took him and took him into the Arabian desert. When God took him into that desert, there were some things that God was trying to flush out of his mind. God was trying to flush out his education. Because yes, thank God for education. But when it comes to the work of God, when it comes to the ministry, when it comes to the preaching of the gospel, there are people who have PhDs and yet they don't have the revelation that you and I have. They don't know that God is one. They don't know that Jesus is the name of our God. So God had to take this man to the desert. To do some unlearning. To empty him of some spirit. To take out that human aspect of thinking that I've done it. That it's me doing it. If God doesn't help me. If God doesn't stand with me. If God doesn't preach with me. What can I do? God is my helper. God is our strength. God is our power. God is our leader. It's not about us, but the king. But the king. Oh God. If God would, would hear us tonight. And I know he hears. He would work on us as he worked on this young man Saul. When Saul came from the learning experience and the unlearning, at the same time God was emptying some things in his life and God was planting new things in his spirit. God was teaching him that you do not physically fight to defend your religion. But even when you are slapped on one side, you turn on the other side and you'll be slapped. God was teaching this young man who was a fighter, who stood there and held the courts of the murderers of the first church martyr, Stephen. God was teaching him that you have come into a different arena. You have come into a different religion. This is not a religion like the religion of Judaism. This is not a religion where you kill your opponents physically. But this is a religion of love. This is a religion of forgiveness. This is a religion of turning aside when you are slapped on one side. And you let yourself be slapped on the other side. We are not to revenge. We don't fight 
physically for this gospel. We are fighting against powers. We are fighting against principalities. We are fighting against spirits. And our God is a winner. Our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, we think or ask, according to the power. It's not about us. It's about the king. It's about the king. And if the king does not receive all the glory, if the king does not receive all the honor, everything we do is in vain. Men will come and go, but the king remains. Men are born and they die, but the king liveth forever. My Bible tells me he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My Bible tells me he is the Alpha and Omega. He's the first and the last. Hallelujah. There was no God before him and there will be no God after him. He is the Savior. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And tonight, it's not about us. It's about the King. The King. The King omnipotent. The King reigns. He reigns in heaven. He reigns on earth. He reigns under the earth. He reigns everywhere. He is our King. He stays on the throne. Hallelujah. God bless you. Be seated. And so... When Saul, now is Paul, has come from that learning experience, his approach is completely different. His approach to the preaching of the gospel is completely and totally transformed. As he enters the wicked city of Corinth, he, there's no doubt in my mind that Paul, being an intellectual as he was, that Paul, being highly educated as he was, he knew the history of Corinth. He knew the geographical mappings of Corinth. He knew the economical status of Corinth. He knew the social lifestyle of the Corinthians. But listen to him as he enters to the Corinthians. He has done some unlearning. And he tells the Corinthians, he says, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come to you with the excellency of speech. Now don't forget that the apostle Paul was an orator. The apostle Paul was an apologetic. The apostle Paul was a homily. He knew how to put one together. He was not fumbling like some of us are fumbling. He knew his sentences. He knew where to put a comma and where to put a full stop. But he's telling the Corinthians when I came to you, I did not come with excellence your speech. No. <laughs> I did not come in man's wisdom delivering unto you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing about you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hamashakaya. And he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and in power. Our gospel is a powerful gospel. It does not come in word only, but it comes in word and power and much assurance. Someone learning. It's not about us. It's about the king. It's about the king. And the king must receive all the glory. All the glory. All the glory. But your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but your faith should stand in the power of god he is our foundation he is our chief cornerstone he is the rock of ages he is our fortress the name of the lord is a strong tower and the righteous runneth into it and they are saved They are saved. And the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. It's not about us. It's about the king. The king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Cut out your way. Give me a few minutes. Oh God, give me just a few minutes. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible tells me in the book of Acts, chapter number three, the Bible says, Peter and John, they were going to the temple to pray. When we come here, what do we do? We must come to pray. When we go to church, we are going to church to pray. Prayer must be the center of the church. Prayer must be the focal point. We go to church not to converse, not to talk to one another, not to see one another, but to pray and pray and pray. Pray without ceasing. of the day they were going to pray to pray I got concerned and I must say this I'm just preaching as though I'm in Kenya because we are just human beings and, and we are brothers and sisters I get concerned when people come to church or go to the conference or go to any place of worship and they get into a conversation instead of prayer Prayer. Prayer. You may not like it, but I said prayer. 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 
are going to the church the third of the day to pray. And there was a lame man at the gate, beautiful. And this lame man had been there for a long time. Long, long time. And so when he got there, Peter, the man saw them. And he, and he said, please, help. He was a beggar. And he'd been there for a long, long time. A long time. A long time. Very long. Every day. Help. You know, there are people in our cities. There are people in our communities. There are people in countries that have not heard this truth. Although they have both legs and they are standing. But in their heart, they are lame. They are saying, help. Do you hear that voice? Help! Somebody, help me! Peter looked at this man and said, silver or gold? Have we none? But we have something to offer you. Can I tell you tonight? The church has something more than money. Yeah. There comes a time that money can't help you. But what the church has is more powerful than money. And when you know the king, you will love the king with everything that is within you. Silver or gold have we none. But such as we have, we give unto thee. Fasten your eyes on us. And the man had already fastened his eyes in expectation. Peter says, no money in my pocket. But I have something that I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the Bible says, they lifted the man, and the man jumped up, and he began to leap, and to praise God, and went with them to the temple. But when God begins to work, two things will happen. One, it will draw crowds. Two, it will irritate the devil. revival. That devil hates the church. That devil hates miracles. They were coming from their synagogues. They were coming from their bondage religion. They were coming from false worship. And they began to throng in the temple to worship God. As Peter preached the word to them, he preached the gospel. The only gospel. The gospel of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preached that there is power in our gospel. That our gospel is a delivering power. That our gospel is a miracle source. We don't preach Miracles. We preach the gospel. And when we preach the gospel, miracles will follow. They got mad. 
they got mad. The, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And then they said, we've got to do something. To stop these men from spreading this story. That Jesus who died, he's alive. Because they are emptying our synagogues. They are messing up our financial power. Can I tell you tonight, all we need to do is to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. And our gospel is a power. It's a power that shakes the gates of hell. Demons tremble at the preaching of the gospel. So they arrested them, brought them before the Sanhedrin court, and they told them, you men, by what authority, by what authority are you doing this? And Peter said, it's not by us. It's not our authority. It's the authority of the king. It's not about us. It's about our king. And our king is Jesus. Jesus is the name of our king. And Jesus has done this miracle. They sought to threaten them that they should not preach in this name. Because the miracle was notable. So they could not deny the fact that the God of Peter and John had done this miracle. But to threaten them. Can I tell you what the devil tries to do to us is to threaten. To issue threats. But Mr. Devil, you have been a liar from the beginning. You are a liar even tonight. You'll never say the truth. And we are not intimidated by your tricks. Because our God has all power in heaven and on earth. And he has given the church power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. You are covered my friend. You are covered under the blood. You are under the blood. Under the blood. The king. The king. It's not about us. It's about the king. It's about him. And it was noted. They were not highly educated they were ignorant and unlearned but they had been with Jesus yeah. let me tell you something when I can step in the presence of the king's palace if the king can just allow me to get into his presence you, you can't play with me I'm in the presence of the king with all angelic host. 
All angels of heaven are guarding over me because I'm in the presence of the king. It had been noted that they had been with Jesus. All that matters tonight is for you to enter into the presence of the king. And in the presence of the king, there's joy unspeakable. There's peace unimaginable. There's happiness in the presence of God. There's victory in the presence of God. There's healing in the presence of God. There are miracles in the presence of God. It's not about us. It's about the king. Thank you, Jesus. Give me just a few minutes. So, so I look, I look, I look, I look at these men, the powerful men, the strong men of David. They were warriors. They were fighters. Every pastor needs some strong men around them. That are not afraid when demons raise up their ugly head. They know the source of power. They can look at the demoniac possessed and say, I bind you, you demon, in the name of Jesus Christ. I cast you out right now. Every demoniac spirit must be subject to the power of our king. There's no demon that is powerful than our God. It's our little faith and lack of recognizing that God is a king that reigns. When we are in his presence, demons are subdued at our mercy. Demons must leave. Demons must go. Those that are bound must be set free by the power of the king of the church. These men, they are in the presence of the king. And they hear the king. He did not send them. He only wished. That's what the man of God said tonight. I wish somebody would be moved to just bring their money. He, he, he did not beg. He just said the spirit of God needs to move on you. And the spirit of God moved upon this man. They had David says, oh, I wish that somebody would bring me some cold water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. And don't forget, at this very moment, that gate is under the garrison of the Philistines. It's under the power of the enemy. Hallelujah to God. And this man said in their heart, they must have walked aside from the king. And they said, if the king wants that water, it is worthy for us to take a risk. Can I tell you, to please God, there are some risk ventures. There are places we go, we are not sure of what's going to happen. But we still go anyhow. Because there are souls there that are thirsting for the water that we had about this morning. Ha, ha, ha. 
we may not have the financial capacity but because the king has said go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved I take the risk it's worthy a risk venture it's worthy to risk your money it's worthy to risk your life because of the king. These men, they said, we know the garrison of the Philistines is there. But the king wants cold water and from a specific well. specific because our God is not a random God he's a God of specifics and I said we're going to go if we die we are on a worthy mission the mission of the king they chose to lose their life because of the king it was not about them and these men went past the line of the enemy. Can I tell us tonight, God is calling us to cross the enemy's line. Yeah. Real miracles, real power, really wonders. The real great faith is when you cross the line of the enemy. And, and they got the water. And they brought to the king. And the king said, why did you even do this? And they said, it's not about us, king. It's about the king. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's about him. If for his cause, you'll be ridiculed and criticized and almost crucified, it is a worthy cause. If for his cause, your family throws you out, it's a worthy cause. If for his cause, some of your friends run away from you, it's a worthy cause. It's not for you, but it's for him. And as long as it's for him, he'll take care of you. Yes, he will take care of you. He'll fight your battles. He will sustain you. He'll cover you. He'll let innumerable number of angels to encamp around you. These men could do nothing to the men of David. Because the innumerable number of angels was encamping around him. God sent some angels here tonight. That somebody in the spirit will cross the line of the enemy. Cross. Paul and the Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. They were in Listira. They were on a mission venture. They are reaching out to the people. 
But you read that chapter, I believe verse 7, it says, Paul was preaching the gospel. Nothing more, the gospel. Not singing, although I appreciate the music, wonderful worship here tonight. But I'm telling you, what saves the people is the preaching of the gospel. And, and, and I'm not talking about the gospel. That I'm not talking about the charismatic gospel. I'm not talking the gospel where Jesus is the second person in the so-called trinity. I'm talking about the gospel where Jesus is the first and the last. The Alpha and Omega. The only God. The I am that I am. The word which was in the beginning. The word which was with God. And the word which was God. I'm talking the gospel where Jesus Christ is the center of our preaching. I'm talking about the gospel where you must repent. You must be baptized in much water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and be filled with the Holy Ghost. While Paul is preaching, an important man, important man from birth, seated there, Looking at Paul, listening to the gospel. <laughs> and Paul perceived that his faith had been motivated by the preaching of the gospel. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. When we preach the gospel, we are planting the seed of faith. And Paul told this man, stand up straight. And the man leaped up and stood straight like a soldier. And immediately, the people of the city, they went to look for a bull to slay a sacrifice. And they said, Barnabas is Jupiter, God. And Paul is Mercurius. Paul never took credit to himself. We need to be careful that when God does something we will say the king did it because the human element the human element that human nature wants to say look at what I've done but God forbid God forbid and Paul They removed their clothes. They rent their clothes. And they fell down. And they said, don't do this to us. We are men of like passion. Like you. 
What Paul was saying, it's not about us. It's about the king. We didn't do it. The king did it. The king did it. The king did it. The king. The king. And God is fixing to do great things in this fellowship. Tremendous miracles are fixing to take place in this nation of America. But God is looking for men and women that will refuse to take any credit and say it's not about us but it's about the king it's about the king and in my closing I want to draw your attention to the man by the name of John the Baptist the Bible says of all the prophets born of women, there was none greater than John the Baptist. So we agree he was great. Why? Because the Bible says so. And the Bible calls very few people great. And if you look at what those people that have been labeled as great people did, they were simply with a servanthood spirit. There was nothing arrogant, nothing cocky about them, nothing self-glorification. No. John, perhaps, and I know, that he got the Holy Ghost while he was in his mother's womb. He worshipped Jesus before he was born. When Mary came to meet Elizabeth, Jesus kicked, John the Baptist kicked in the belly. He was submitting to the king. John the Baptist was not a man pleaser preacher. He was not a man that enticed the ears of his audience. As a matter of fact, he called them a generation of vipers. And said, who has warned you from the wrath of God that is soon to come? And these are people that came to hear him preach. The Bible says, while he was preaching, he emptied villages. People left every little house to go to hear John the Baptist preach. And John the Baptist had a title that he had been given way before Jesus was born. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He came to announce the arrival of Jesus Christ. Now you look at the human element. He had every reason to be proud. He had every reason to be cocky. He had every reason to have that ego, that human ego in him. And say, I am the most powerful prophet of the time. But look. 
Look at this man. Upon the arrival of Jesus. When he sees Jesus. He says. Behold. The Lamb of God. Which cometh to take away the sins of the world. And then people come to him. And they say. You are great. You are a prophet. You are powerful. You have brought people from villages and you have baptized them by thousands in River Jordan. You tell us today, are you not the Messiah? You must be the Messiah. And John says, I am not the Messiah. The one that is coming after me is greater than I. I'm not even worthy to loosen the laces of his shoes. And when he cometh, he says, I baptize you in water. But when this one comes, he shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. There comes Jesus. And John says, I must decrease while he he increases. What John was saying is that I am not the king. I'm just a messenger. I'm only just a vessel that carried the message. But the king, the king has arrived. The king is here. And when the king comes, I go down on my knees. He's greater than I. He's bigger than I. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's about the king. And tonight. 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 I feel the spirit of the king here. I feel the spirit of the king. I want to tell you, it's not about your ego. It's not about your money. It's not about your little language that you know. But it's about the king. I must decrease while he increases. And tonight, from the back of that corner, from the people back there, I wonder if there's somebody there that would walk and run to this altar and say, it's not about me. It's about the king. I wonder who will run from back there to this altar and say, it's not about me, but about the king. I wonder who will come from this line and run to this altar and say, it's not about me, but about the king. The king reigneth. The king reigneth. The king reigneth, the king reigneth.